Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I am Aminatuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. This episode and our next one are about bodies and politics from a bunch of different perspectives. We have some announcements for our Midwest Divas. Tickets are basically sold out for our Chicago live show. Come see us Saturday, October 21st at the Women's Club of Minneapolis. And yeah, all the details and links to tickets, you can find it at callyourgirlfriend.com slash events. Hello, Ann Friedman. Uh, I... I am so excited because we are pre-recording a few episodes. We're taking a little break. Um, I'm traveling. You're traveling. It's, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like actually CYG travel bonanza episode, like a meta episode about traveling is something that we should do at some point. I mean, between now and November 4th, I'm about to be all over this planet. It's true. Um, and as we were just discussing, like, I also I also just feel like packing tips and, like, solo travel tips. I mean, I know you did a whole podcast about this, so maybe my interest yes, is greater please, than yours. Please listen to my <laughs> podcast, On She Goes, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever <laughs> you listen to your favorite podcasts. I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel I feel like I know you covered this territory, but you have never covered it with me. And maybe we should like at some point. But anyway, my main problem with how I travel is that I if the rest of my life is kind of a disaster, but I like to ruthlessly edit my suitcase and I am faced with some particularly tough logistical challenges this time. Like many climates, it's like it's I know gonna be tough. Many climates, and also just like it brings out anything that you're feeling. Like for me, anyway, if I feel like, oh, what my wardrobe is missing right now is like the perfect jacket or the whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's like and just like oh, like I, I tell myself stories. Like if I like had only shopped better in the past, packing would be super easy. <laughs> I know, like, like a capitalist how, lie. <laughs> let me tell you how I have wanted an anorak my entire life. Like, since, like, elementary school, French school. And every time I travel in the fall, I'm just like, if only I had found the perfect anorak, I would not have this problem. I love the word anorak. Also, you have a, a kind of anorak-like jacket. Am I wrong? Like a green You know one? what? It's a kind of anorak. It's not a real anorak. <laughs> <laughs> 
spoken like a true former like French <laughs> student. Let me tell you, it's like it's that, and it's also I don't debut looks on the. Oh road. hell no. I'm just like, if you don't get worn at home, you're definitely not getting worn on vacation. You know what I mean? Right. The road is for your defaults. Exactly. I'm just like, I like, I am trying to be my best self. Like nothing is going to throw me off here. And it's just like when I'm packing, what it makes me realize is how much of a mess my like home wardrobe is. And then I start like putting things aside to donate and give. And it's like, like pack. You have to like actually pack. And also, I hate spending more than an hour unpacking. Like, that's how much time I give myself. Like, after an hour, I'm like, if you're not in the, if you're not in the rotation or you're not in the zone, like, you're not coming. Like, you're not going anywhere. Ruthless. <laughs> Ruthless. Ideally, 30 minutes domestic trips. Not even kidding. I was like, you need to do this. But I also have, like, you know, uh, because they travel so much, I basically have duplicates for everything already ready to go. <laughs> Wow. So, like, that's why I can, like, I am focused on clothes because, like, my toiletry is already packed. Amazing. Well, okay, since we are going to be gone for a few weeks, we, um, I think it was your idea. You had this incredible idea that we could maybe, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm saying we, like, we both of us thought of this, but it was not the case. You had this great idea that we ask some podcasters who have podcasts that we love and listen to to contribute some segments to our show to help us fill in the gaps while we're gone. I know. A great scam, but also <laughs> a scam for all of humanity because we, like, love all of the shows that are featured and hopefully, like, all of our listeners will love them too. I mean, also, it's like it's like a Shine Theory scam, right? Like, this is making Shine Theory work for you. Like <laughs> One hundo. I'm like, help me help you shine. <laughs> so I can shine in also. Thank you. Um, and so lest things get too out of hand, we gave guidelines to our guest podcasters to talk about bodies and like political bodies and the way bodies are politicized. And so thematically, this episode and our next one are about bodies and politics. First up, I spoke to Jessamine Stanley, whose new book, well, I guess it's not so new now, but it's a great book. Everybody Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, Love Your Body is out now. If you're into wellness and yoga and all of that stuff, she's definitely an Instagram account that you should follow. But also, like, she's a very good guru for the age of, like, posy bodies. My name is Jessamine Stanley. I'm a yoga teacher and a writer, and I'm the author of Everybody Yoga, Let Go of Fear, Get on the Mat, Love Your Body. Thank you so much for joining us today on Color Girlfriend, Jessamine. It's my pleasure, Amina. I was really excited to be reading your book. The day that it came, I had one of the like, very quintessential Brooklyn days where I walked in front of probably 20 yoga stores. And every time thought, hmm, one day, one day I'll start that. <laughs> oh, my God. But it seems so unappealing when you see it in that way. Like when it's on on the street in Brooklyn and you see everyone like in their Lululemon, like clutching their, make sure you got your coconut water and the right mat. And I feel like it looks like a really trendy exercise 
thing that I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be into it from that. Context. Yeah, I'm like so, it's a lifestyle that like one day I will join. Nobody has had more failed yoga attempts than me. Every t- I go one time to like every studio, every city I've lived in, and it just never <laughs> takes. But I was so struck by when I got your book one, like how beautiful it is, and just how you know. Um, and it's obviously about you know like learning all of your poses, but it goes so much deeper than that. And that was, it was such an antidote for the like, uh, I feel like I'm about to have a bad body day from all of the stuff I just saw, you know? Yeah, it's just very funny to me because the practice gets associated with this like really materialistic and kind of like egotistical space. And it's not about that at all. It's really just about looking within yourself for truth and authenticity. And that was why my book, I guess, is so different from other yoga books, because it's about really what it means to be honest with yourself so that you can encourage other people to be honest with themselves. The stories that you kind of tell, too, just really reinforce the whole idea that having positive body image actually takes a lot of work. Like in the same ways that you exactly in the same ways that you want to be physically strong, like you have to be really emotionally and mentally prepared for really like reckoning with your body and loving it every day. And um, I love that you go really deep into that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's really more about that process than anything physical. It's wild to me that everyone is so obsessed with the the physical aspects of it, because those are, I mean, they're cool, I guess, but there are a million different ways that you can become more fit, get flexible, be stronger. Yoga is not, it's not the only way to do that, but it is one of the best ways to really tap into something that's larger than yourself. And I feel like when you walk down that road, that's way more interesting than just some like exercise thing that you would do on Saturdays. If you have the money, if you have the time, it's got to be about something more than that. Yeah, you know, I think, too, that one thing for those of us who are kind of on the outside of the yoga community or, you know, any kind of, <laughs> I want to say, like, a, like anything that looks physical on Instagram is that you feel like everything has to be perfect all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the points that you really stress is that it's not about having perfection if you really want to have a worthwhile yoga practice or do anything that, you know, is hard. Exactly. Anything that's worthwhile in this life is difficult. Everything that is good comes with effort. And I think that when you really establish that on your yoga mat and then you establish that in the other parts of your life, then you can remember that throughout life so that when you encounter things that are difficult, you won't feel inclined to run from them. You'll run toward them because you know that at the end of that difficult thing is something very bright and worthwhile. Yeah, you know, one of the other things that you're really honest about, too, is, you know, not having this, like, picture-perfect kind of Instagram situation that's going on. Like, I was reading an interview where you talked about just being really deeply afraid of your body and having to examine it more and really your relationship with the camera. And I thought that was really refreshing and honest just in this world where we're all essentially all posing, you know, and and nobody nobody really talks about, like, the hard the hard parts of that, especially when it relates to like self-love and body love. Well, I think it's quite possible that many people who are on Instagram do not have a connection to something. I feel like there are a lot of people who are yoga practitioners who post their pictures on social media 
who are really in a very egotistical and narcissistic space. And they enjoy having people say like, wow, look how amazing you are. I could never do that. You're so strong. And that they, they get off on that. And so they're not really having like a conversation with the camera or like resolving body issues. It's about how other people see them. And, and I think that that's a completely understandable space to be in with it. And I have no, no shade toward that, no shame. But for me, it's always been a lot more than that. And as a fat bodied woman, I was always taught to really avoid the camera. And that if I'm going to be in front of a camera that I have to turn my body in certain ways. And there's definitely like, like fat girl poses. There's so know, many like, this rules. This is a safe way to be seen. Yeah, there's all these rules. And it's like, when I first started taking the photos of myself, I found myself adhering to those rules. And I would take photos from certain angles. And I would only take photos of poses that I thought would like hide my belly or, or that I thought I just looked quote good enough in. And it took me a while, but eventually I realized that I need to be more open with myself. And that as I started to peel that back, it just turned into something way deeper and way more intimate. And I do, I still love the aspect of like, you know, photographing myself and looking back at it and really remembering the moment when I was in the pose. But when, um, but that's a very separate interaction than putting it on social media. So I feel like I want to differentiate between these two things, but there's the photography and then there's the whole putting it in front of other people thing. And that is something else. But the photography is, it's very cathartic. That's fair. You also say that like fat black women have been doing yoga forever, even though there's not really visibility yeah. around that. I guess, uh, yeah. what's your advice for somebody who is not, you know, they're not so sure that their body type is the yoga body type and they want to think about getting into it? Like, where should they start? I mean, you can just walk into a random studio. Like, that. that's honestly my best uh, advice is to just, be brave, go into a space. If you're afraid of people staring at you, you have to get over that because people are going to stare at you. And I think that that is really the reason why people are afraid to go. It's not really because they're afraid of the actions or afraid of like, it's less fear of the yoga itself and more fear of what other people think. And if you really can't get over that boundary of what other people think, because it's totally true that you could go to a studio in any city, like, especially if you're in LA or New York, and you could be body shamed by the students, by the teacher, by the studio owner, like everybody could make you feel uncomfortable. And the only way to really counter that, I think, is to not go to a studio and to practice at home. And I know that that can be really intimidating, especially for a brand new practitioner. But if you find the right online yoga classes, I have classes on codyapp.com. It's Cody, C-O-D-Y, app, A-P-P. So there are classes out there that are available for beginner up to intermediate advanced. I personally subscribe to yogaglow.com. It's yoga glow without the W at the end. And if you have a good selection of different kinds of classes, different kinds of teachers, and you're in an environment, when you're at home, you're in an environment where you are safe. There is not going to be someone there to make fun of you. You can just be yourself. Cultivating a calming environment is one of the most important things in a yoga practice because ultimately it's not really about, it doesn't matter what other people are doing and it doesn't matter what you look like. You just need to be in a space where you really feel comfortable. Like it's the thing that you're going to have to get over, you know, and also it's just like, it's a constant battle all the time. So you might as well practice start practicing now. 
Yeah, and I mean, I definitely still get, like, I hate going to studios sometimes because I have always been self-conscious about having people watch my practice. And now that people know who I am, people will literally just stop practicing and watch me practice. And it's very uncomfortable. And so I really understand that struggle, but it's just, you have to find a way to get over it. Thank you so much, Jessamine. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. I think that there's this distinction in my mind between people who do yoga, which I would count myself among that group, and then like yoga people, I'm air quoting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and it's like my goal in life to find teachers or like-minded people or like apps or classes or whatever that seem to be for like people who do yoga as opposed to people who are like, this is a holistic lifestyle for me and I'm like very bound up in I have a lot of anxiety and a lot of like issues with the idea of the yoga person, but I can like, I can do it if I tell myself I'm a person who does it, not a yoga person. (laughs) Yoga is hard for me. Like, obviously I love stretching. I will do any stretch in the world. If all of exercise was just focused on stretching, I would be the fittest person in the world. But it's like, it hearkens to like so much like religion bullshit that I'm not into. Mm -hmm. Even when I go to the yoga classes that are like, you know, like Pharrell Happy or the Beyonce one or whatever, the minute they try to tap into spirituality, like, I'm out. I'm like, I cannot. I was like, I was raised in two oppressive religions. I don't really need this right now. <laughs> so, like, that, that is really hard for me. It's like a lifestyle also that can be, like, so steeped in capitalism. Like, the shit just, like, adds up where I'm like, I don't understand this. Like, now I'm, like, spending money on retreats. I'm, like, spending money on juices. I'm spending money on mats that cost so much money. But the truth is that like those are my hangups and like some like yoga lifestyle, like yoga lifestyle should definitely be examined. But the thing that I loved about talking to Jessamine is that like she made it so clear that like all bodies belong in all spaces, you know. And so Mm -hmm. seeing her like reclaim that. Well, I was going to say like reclaiming my time, seeing her (laughs) like kind of, you know, like really expand on that and also just be somebody who just has like really smart things to say about fitness and wellness in a way that's not centered on like losing weight or like looking great for your wedding or like being the object of like some some somebody or something's gaze is that is like very healing for me so like support yeah and i think that for me also um figuring out that I just need a recommendation from a like-minded friend if I am going to do, I mean, pretty much any group movement or exercise, but like yoga in particular, where the last time I went to a class, it was because friend of the podcast, Beth Pickens, who was on a show at the beginning of the year, she sent an email saying like, hey, this is a teacher I really like. It truly is for modified consistently throughout for like all bodies and skill levels. It's a really great environment. The class was not at a yoga studio. It was at like an independent art space. And also just, I don't know, there are certain people in my life where if they ask me to do something, I have a policy of always saying yes. (laughs) And Beth is one of those people. But so anyway, so I really like that because I was like, okay, here's someone who has similar politics, has similar feelings about some of the trappings that tend to go along with this culture sometimes. She's been to a class from this teacher and she's telling me it's good. I'm like, then I feel comfortable showing up. You know, it's like the friend endorsement is so key for me. Right. Somebody that you trust that's been in the space. Here's the other thing about Jessamine's book that was so fantastic is that Mm -hmm. it's honestly the first time that I've seen any kind of like exercise paraphernalia, like media or whatever that had 
a body that was not like some like very thin model. Mm-hmm. And like I wasn't even reading. I was just like looking at all the pages or I was like, what? Like this is it's so crazy. The power of media. I'm so conditioned to believe that like only a certain kind of body does yoga and really looking through those photos and scrolling through her social media was such a good corrective for me also it was like oh no like the reason that I think that only a certain kind of body or whatever like does yoga is because that's literally the way that yoga has been marketed right like the book is such a service like for somebody who is like yoga's not my jam but seeing like modified positions and seeing somebody somebody who has a body type who's closer to mine be like oh like this person can be strong too and this person can be flexible also and do all of that like it's just, it's so crazy. 2017, it's the small things that count. But I was like, this is like very revolutionary. I wish that like more exercise books or like exercise media would like do that. Yeah, completely. And like, I, I do think that people like Jessamine are in the vanguard. I think about places like here in LA, there's a gym called Everybody that is not just sort of nominally inclusive of a lot of different body types, but like the instructors are often people who look like Jessamine or like the people who are leading classes are queer and are like, it's not just like we say we're welcoming to all people, but it's like, no, actually the people at the front of the room and the people who are like, you know, putting together the like the movements that you're going to be doing are people who live in bodies that are not often normalized in gyms or in yoga culture or in classes. And I think like, it's the very beginning of watching a certain type of politics come into a more like consumer space, like for people who want to do this. And, and, you know, whether that means buying a book and sort of like learning how you can modify poses or like, you know, if you're really lucky to live near one, going to a gym or a class where that's the case. It makes me really excited. Like it's one of those things that for all things, the things that feel like they're kind of moving backwards, I'm like, this feels like the future, you know? (laughs) I know. It's like like some things really are moving forward because I think that for a long time, like the lie of fitness and health is that like you have to be a certain body um, weight and a certain shape to Mm -hmm. like be in shape. And the thing about like seeing media, like, you know, is like seeing the the work that Jessamine is doing and like so many other people like hers is that it just like pushes back against that narrative because like that's, it's absolutely not true. Yeah, totally. And Yeah. And the other thing that drives me crazy is that like when I start thinking about like the capitalism of like all of this stuff also, I'm just like one more place where like people leave money on the table because they are obsessed with like not being inclusive. Right. Yeah. I I have like gotten to this point too, where if I don't see some sort of explicit commitment to inclusivity from the class or the messaging or the book or whatever it might be, like that is an immediate turnoff to me, you know? (laughs) It's like the whole thing is nuts. Like I was shopping for some um, workout clothes recently and um, this brand that I like that was like, oh, like we we've expanded our sizes And none of the models on the expanded sizes, they didn't have like inclusive models. I was like, how can I tell? They expanded the sizes, but not the models? Yeah, I'm just like, (laughs) how can I tell? I'm like, how can I tell? Like, this is so stupid. Also, like, why are you ashamed of having like bigger women model your clothes? Like, this makes... This makes no sense. Like, you'll take my money for, like, more stretch spandex, but you won't, like, you won't bother to do a photo shoot. Like, this is crazy. Completely. Um, well, so yeah, so a shout out and thanks to Jessamine. And I feel like this is the kind of thing too, where 
I'm excited to talk to more people who are doing this in the future. I guess I'll just leave it at that. Like, like I'm excited that like she is in a in the vanguard here. Um, also, she's been doing a couple of ads recently. I saw her when I was watching Younger uh, on an ad, and it was like great. Um, I just wanted to also plug Younger separately. <laughs> the ad was not about Younger. I just love that TV land show. But yeah, she was like on this ad that was like, uh, like I think one was like a Kotex ad that was like uh, talking about doing yoga on your period. And then the other one was like maybe another product. I may be conflating the two, but I was like, get, I was like, get it. This is great. Oh my God. So good. This is um, great. You know, yoga is a, like a trillion dollar industry. Like Three trillion dollars, in fact. I like, I want her to get at least one trillion of the yoga dollars. Uh, one third of the trillion yoga dollars. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, this lady is literally on the vanguard of reshaping your like garbage workout industry. Like, give her all the money. Thank you. Uh, yes. Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. Or it could come from me. I mean, not to. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable ultra chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com. Offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. For our next segment, which is also about political bodies, but like with a slightly different take, we wanted to hand things over to our friends at Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, which is a podcast, if you haven't heard it, that's hosted by Taz Ahmed and Zara Norbosh. They do a segment with awkward, like ask a Muslim moments. And we asked them to kind of adapt that segment to things that are uh, related to bodies and Muslim women's bodies and their bodies out in the world. So have a listen to Taz and Zara. Welcome to a conversation with Taz and Zara of Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast. 
Should I be as quiet as you? No, you can speak up. Of good Muslim, bad Muslim. I like that. <laughs> it's like a sexy yeah, we're, whisper. We're going to change our song to that. We, we are live from Hawaii. We've been in Hawaii for, I don't know, it feels like forever. I think it's been 10 days. In paradise. We're on the beautiful island of Oahu at the Shangri-La Museum for an artist residency. Shangri-La is a space that was uh, Doris Duke's home once a long time ago. She used to collect Islamic art, and now the space has turned into a center for Islamic art and culture, and they provide art residencies to uh, people who make Muslim art, which apparently we, we were. So we were delighted to be here, and we're so excited to be joining Call Your Girlfriend today. We have so many stories to share, and we're very excited to pluck out from those stories our awkward Ask a Muslim moments that, in a way, uh, shed a light on the political identity that's projected onto us, kind of regardless. Yeah, the Awkward Ask a Muslim is a segment that we do on our monthly podcast. And, um, I, you know, I've been referring to the Awkward Ask a Muslim as kind of our, our time to showcase microaggressions that we experience as Muslim American women. Or, you know, most, most of them, I think one of the things I realized with Awkward Ask a Muslim is that when I, now that I'm documenting moments every month that I'm I'm remembering everything that happens. But we get so many microaggressions constantly that I forget. I forget that that's what's happening. Yeah, and this month doing the show at Shangri-La Live, it was particularly interesting because there was this way that like since we were there to record our live podcast, it was like we were also then there. It felt like for some audience members there, the white audience members in particular, we were also there to sort of like answer all questions as an exhibit of Muslim women. Yeah, it felt like we were in an art museum. Like we were the exhibit in the museum and they were here just to watch us be the the exotic Orientalism tokens. But this time the exhibit got to talk back and that was cool. So, okay, Taz, your awkward Ask a Muslim moment. Yeah, my awkward Ask Muslim moment is that, you know, we're in Hawaii and every time that I tell people I'm going to Hawaii, they're like, oh, are you going to swim? And I have to say, yeah, I don't swim. And everyone always asks, but you live in L.A. Like, as for some reason, in everyone's heads who don't live in L.A., they think that if you're in L.A., you're an automatic swimmer. And then I had someone say, oh, but you're a surfer. And I was like, I just told you I don't swim. Like, how can I be a surfer if I don't swim? Both of those examples she gave were of me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't just of you. This is like repeated conversations I've been having with people. I mean, one of my, the reasons I don't swim is because I am scared of water. So I can swim on my back, but I can't swim on my front. I can't put my face underwater. But another reason is that, you know, I just wasn't in a house where it was appropriate for women to wear bathing suits and bikinis and jump into pools. So I think like first to fifth grade, I was... I would do swim lessons every summer. And then after that, it was like, oh, your body is not to be in a bathing suit. Go wear pants and a t-shirt and go swimming. And that's just awkward. Oh my God. I'm like nodding like crazy over here because that's exactly the same as me. Did you have to do that for PE? Well, we didn't have swimming for PE, but it was like all elementary school years. It was like I spent, my mom dropped us off at the pool. That was like our babysitting time, hanging with the lifeguard like all day. And then when I hit like puberty, right, then all of a sudden it was exactly like you said, t-shirts and shorts, go swimming, have fun, but cover yourself and also go have fun, but not too much fun. 
And it's terrible to swim in a t-shirt because you have, it collects all the water. And I think the other thing was that, you know, we had swimming in, in PE because we're in Southern California. I was in a suburb of LA and uh, it's embarrassing, you know, like to have to go swimming and be like, oh, I'm, I have to wear a t-shirt. And I don't think there was leggings back then, but I think I like wore something. <sighs> it was really awkward and terrible. And I was, you know, as I was planning for this trip, I was, I went bathing suit shopping and then I found a bunch of really cool, modest-ish bathing suits. One of them is kind of like loose at the belly, which, you know, I kind of need. And some of them have like sleeves and some of them are like boy shorts. And I'm like, you know, if I was in high school, I totally would have rocked one of these more modest bathing suits. Yeah, I remember like you sent me the link too, because I also was struggling because I had that issue where it's like, I can buy extra large for my top, but it's not going to take care of my bottom that is like no curve and is shaped like a chair. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what did you think of the swimsuits that you saw on the site? Okay. I typed in like looking for like the swimsuits that you showed me and all of them still, I was like, this, these women, I don't see as plus size. Oh yeah. Like some of them look like they were a size four, but like they were modeling it, you know, as plus size. And I was like, okay. And it was like messing with my mind a little bit. I was like, Am I saying that they're this size? Are they that size? What are sizes even? Yeah, I I bought a bathing suit off of Amazon. And the site that I bought it off of said that the size 8 slash 10 was extra large. Extra large. Yeah, extra large. See, and then this, I'm like, this is why I just put on a t-shirt and shorts and jumped in the water. Yeah. Well, you had a tankini on. And I think tankinis, I didn't have to... Tankinis were not an option when I was growing up. I think I, my life would have been much better if there were tankinis. Or burkinis. I would have been better off this trip if I had had on a burkini because I got stung by a jellyfish, which would not have happened if I had a burkini on. Burkinis, they, they prevent the jellyfish from happening. The jellyfish was sent by Allah. Yeah, so, so that's my story of, of bathing suits. And why that was my awkward ask a Muslim. So don't ask me. If you see me, don't ask me why I don't swim. And also don't, don't say that you're going to give me swim classes. I've gone through enough swim classes. There's been a few people that have offered. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So my awkward ask was like a super awkward ask. Like it was literally asked of me on behalf of all Muslims. And when she asked me this question, I joked, you mean like on behalf of all Muslims? And she said, yeah. <laughs> Just like unironically, unapologetically, this white woman came up to me after the show and during the show, and you'll hear this on our episode of Good Muslim, Bad Muslim for the month of August, actually, I talk about this like rash that I got on my arm that I had to go to urgent care for. And it was like one of those rashes where you're like, is this a emergency room rash or just like a bad rash or an emergency room rash? And I actually went in and they were like, oh, yeah, this is a total emergency. And I got two penicillin shots and it was like this big deal. And I talk about it in the story and the hot doctor involved. And it's very funny. And you should go listen to it. And after the episode, this woman walked up to me, this white woman, like maybe 50s. And she says, I'm so glad that you got your arm taken care of because my husband lost his leg. Can I wear hijab? Why can't I wear hijab? 
So she just went straight from one into the other question. Like, it's like no, no stopping. Boom. Just like no pot. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, what? Like, you didn't have time to recover from the fact that her husband lost a leg from the same thing that you're suffering from. And then all of a sudden you have to talk about hijabs. On behalf of all Muslims. Yeah. And I made the joke. I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. you mean, can you wear hijab? Like, you're asking me, like, as a Muslim woman and speaking on behalf of all Muslims. And she said, well, yes. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Like, are you religious and you want to wear it? Like, are you converting? And she said, no, you know, I wanted to wear it to see what it's like to wear hijab and, you know, be affected and this other woman, but to be affected by the political atmosphere we're in. And this other woman uh, told me that other Muslim women might, there are a lot of others involved in this descriptive, that other Muslim women might feel like I was co-opting their narrative. Do you feel that way? Yes, yes, you say yes. (laughs) I was just so stunned because, okay, also she was just like saying, other Muslim women and this other woman. And then like being really general and talking in these really general brushstrokes. And then she was like, am I co-opting your narrative? Which is like. (laughs) She did not say that. She said that. Am I co-opting? Were you like, yes, don't do this. Don't just, no, don't. No. Well, here's the trap. I don't wear hijab. True. And we have, we talk about this on our episode a lot, our our podcast. We're constantly talking about how we hate talking about the hijab. It's a trick question because I don't wear hijab, so I can't answer as a Muslim woman who does or does not wear hijab. Like, is she co-opting my narrative? Technically, no, I don't wear hijab. But you're speaking on behalf of all Muslim women, so so then maybe it's okay. I just told her it's complicated. (laughs) Because I didn't want to have to give her the yes or no answer. And I said, you know, that's what our whole podcast is about, is that there's no yes or no answer. to The perfect answer would have been, go listen to all 30 two of our episodes. You should have just told her that. I, I told her, go listen to our episodes. We talk at length about this. And she goes, sure, 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 sure. But can I just, can I wear it? She wanted like a yes or no. You say no, 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 no. <laughs> Always no. Okay, but then maybe like, I kind of wanted her to go wear one. No. I know. But I like, I was so annoyed with her that I was like, I kind of want you to just go do this thing. Yes, only if it's a flag hijab. <laughs> <laughs> She got really layered. <laughs> what I told her was, you know, listen, you're a white woman who wants to understand the whole experience of what it is like to be a Muslim woman by going out and wearing a hijab and then taking it off. And that by itself is extremely reductive, which I thought, like, you know, is a word she might know because she said co-opting narrative. Correct. And I said, so, you know, I think it's really nuanced. You know, the question that you're asking on one hand, you're asking, like, can I like put this on because I want to understand like an experience is one thing. Solidarity is another thing. Like I I was trying to get her to think about it differently. Look at you trying to like meet her in the middle. That was really sweet of you to like at least attempt. I'm drowning. (laughs) I'm just, I'm even drowning in this explanation. Like I'm getting hives already. I'm getting a rash. I have to go to urgent care. We need to get you that hot doctor to give you a penicillin (laughs) shot in your butt because of this hijabi question. It's already giving me like a headache just remembering it. See, this is the thing is that like it's it it is like a very physical experience being in these awkward conversations. No, it absolutely is. Do you get like because I break out into hives when I'm upset. 
And it's really annoying because like whatever passionate emotion I'm having, if it's like an emotion, I break out into hives around my neck. I just kind of like cut people off. I got I got corrected on the term lychee. I we went and got ice cream, and uh, I said I wanted lychee shaved ice, and the only guy in the group said, "Here we say lychee." And then I we continued on. Then I was like, "But in my culture, we say lychee." Then I went back to my conversation. Apparently, he kept talking after he corrected me, and I I just kind of tuned him out. So that's that's my way of dealing with it. To just kind of pretend like they don't exist. And then I didn't make eye contact with him for the rest of the night. (laughs) See, I need to have your pivot power. You have amazing pivot power. I, like, get sucked in and end up in, like, these conversations. Right after that woman, I ended up in, like, a 20-minute conversation with another woman about Baglava and its origins. And I, I don't even care. Yeah. I, uh, when I was, I was giving a workshop at Shangri-La and this older white man was in my Muslim Valentine's Day card workshop. Uh, my Muslim Valentine card workshops are about these cards to make hashtag Muslim V-Day. They're very raunchy. They're very crass. And somehow in my group of people that I was workshopping, there were all these much older people who I felt very blushing when I had to say words like jihad and spices. Uh, Taz has a Muslim V-Day card that says, I have a jihad on for you. They're amazing. Yeah. So I, I was I was shy to make eye contact. Anyways, so this guy asked me about where he could sign up for the Muslim registry. And I was like, yeah, that's a good topic. Listen to our podcast next. Because I just don't feel like people need room. Like, they have all the room in the world. They literally, white men have all the room in the world. I don't need to give up my space, my precious one-hour workshop space, to explain to this white man about how that's not how registry works because I had to talk about (laughs) jihards. And on that note, we're going to leave you, our wonderful Call Your Girlfriend audience. We we love the show. Uh, We hope that you join us on our podcast where you can hear our uh, standard conclusion to our Awkward Ask a Muslim segment, which is, (sighs) if you enjoyed our conversation here, you can find Taz and I at goodmuslimbadmuslim.com. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Ah, These ladies are so great. (laughs) I love them. Thank you so much for sharing sharing your show with us. Find out more about their show at goodmuslimbadmuslim.com. You can also find their podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And they are the best. Thanks, Taz and Zara. Oh, my God. I have, like, told you this before, but I feel like if the internet was around when I was a kid or even podcasts or I had known these ladies, I would probably still identify as Muslim. I can't handle it. I mean, just a tiny hint of all the important work they're doing right there. Like, it's true. Oh, my God. I was like, thank God I, like, got out of this before I became cool. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> this is this is how I feel during Ramadan when now there's, like, cool Ramadan memes. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a tinge of sadness. And but also, like, secretly, I'm like, huh. Thank God, because I'm so impressionable. We, I would still be. We here. have totally discussed Ramadan memes and and their their <laughs> their effect on you. <laughs> I am powerless, but yeah, like this this show is great. I'm excited for more of uh, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. Yeah, so come back next week for to hear from another special podcast guest and to hear more chat about bodies and politics. And we'll be on vacation, so. 
see you maybe on the internet, but maybe not at all for a week. <laughs> you can find us many places on the internet, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com, download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, or on Apple Podcasts, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kenesha Sneed. This podcast is produced by the wonderful and amazingly dressed Gina Delvac. See you. See you around the world. (laughs) 